When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Okay, Oscar fans, the Academy Awards are over. The pundits have signed in, and now we've got to eat our scores. But that's not a hard thing for Ray Richmond to do. Uh, our <laughs> news and features editor who came in first place among all the experts. Congratulations, Ray. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I'm Tom O'Neill. We had about 30-some experts at Gold Derby, including Tariq Khan, who is very often our number one champ, who has, for the 25 years I've known him, an an uncanny insight into awards on so many levels, uh, often. And what is particularly remarkable about him is that he is fearless about frequently going out on these thin, trembling (laughs) limbs and, and it happens, not always. I, I love to kid you about Emmanuel, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, yes. Reva, right. So, um, but uh, raise the king this year. Um, so how did you know, right? Um, you know, uh, I, got, um, I got a little information in advance. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's, I would like to say it's just that, that I'm that good but it, it, it's always a matter of luck. You know, you just, some years you have it, some years you don't. Most of the time I'm, I'm in the 40 to 50% range. This time I was over 80. Uh, I only missed four out of the 23 and I'm, I feel very fortunate with that because there are no experts in this game. But there are though, right? Ray Richmond has worked uh, at the Hollywood trades in this FYC industry for most of his career. Uh, he's one of the uh, shining stars of this business. So he really, and, and for many years, wrote the chief uh, cover stories uh, the, for the Oscars, Emmys, and the rest of it for, for, for variety, and wrote them in very entertaining, brilliant, insightful fashion. Thank you. Thank uh, you. We recently uh, brought him on board at Gold Derby. He's one of the most esteemed veterans in this business. Um, so uh, thank you. You. Um, but you yeah. know, no, it's good. To, it's good to have a postmortem like this because, uh, you know, we don't. You need closure, and, and you know, I, you don't usually get it just after a little. You know, after on Sunday night when the, the chaos is still just pretty fresh, and then Mondays where you do like a little bit of sober uh, reflection, you need a few days to really get everything. Yes, everything digested, and uh, you know. So I feel I. Now that we can look back, we can really look at it. The, the thing. The thing I do um, that I go back and forth on is what do I think should win based on what I like, and what do I think will win based on what the odds are telling us. And that's always the dichotomy, mm-hmm. you know. And I norm. I off too often go with my heart rather than my head. Oh, that's the worst thing we can do. And I, I've done. I'm guilty of that too. But um, I had a good blending of the two this time. Where you know, uh, and I was lucky that my heart just happened to be part of part of. I'm the, looking at you know. your predictions right now, right? So 
you cleaned up uh, a clean sweep of the top categories, director, picture, actress, actor, supporting uh, actor and actress, which included, by the way, the Jamie Lee Curtis win, which uh, was a bit of a, uh, well, the three of us went there, but- um, uh, Tarek knew before the rest of us. That's true. He uh, did Jamie Lee. I, I, was, I was on team, An team Angela for a long time. And, oh, yes. uh, you know, and I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was going to be Jamie Lee. And then it was only maybe the last 10 days or so that I came to see uh, Tarek's uh, uh, way, of, way of thinking. And Tarek, yeah. how did you know? Because you were really early in, into this whole thing with uh, Jamie Lee. And you said, and ev everyone was kind of mocking you. Saying, oh, right, right, right. The hot dog finger, sure, <laughs> that's, that's serious acting for the ages. <clears throat> You know, first I want to say congratulations to Ray, and I've already created my Ray Richmond voodoo doll to work on him next year. <laughs> so, good luck next year, Mister. There you go. Thank you. The, I was wondering what that pain was in my side. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, you know, back in I guess was it August, July when the Prediction Center opened, and we all made our early picks. You know, for supporting actress, I put Jamie Lee Curtis one because Ooh, when I, we we open it in August, like the like August tenth every year. Oh, right. You know yes, what? We tend to be 50% right on movies we haven't even seen any of us. From, yes. from day one, you're 50% yeah. right, really? <laughs> wow. Okay, true story. You know, I was always a huge Jamie Lee Curtis fan growing up, you know, back in the back in the 80s. And I was furious when she missed Oscar nominations for both A Fish Called Wanda and True Lies, especially, because that was a really weak year for Best Supporting Actress, 1994. Only a couple of sure things, you know, for nominations, Diane Weist in Bullets Over Broadway and Uma Thurman in a Pulp Fiction. And I was sure Jamie Lee Curtis, after winning the Globe, getting SAG, SAG nomination, that she would get into the Oscars. And I remember getting up that morning. It was uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1995. And they say, best supporting actress. And I'm like, Jamie Lee Curtis. And Arthur Hiller, who's the Academy president, says, Rosemary Harris and Tom and Viv. And I was like, what? <laughs> and four years later in Los Angeles, I interviewed Jamie Lee Curtis for the first time. And I, of course, I, I told her all about my Oscar obsession. And now she should have been nominated for a picture called Wanda and definitely True Lies. And I said to her, this is a true story. I said, Jamie, I hope someday you win an Academy Award. True story. I have a picture with her. I said, I told that, to, I told her that. Wow. And I gave up hope. And after I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once back in the spring, I said, Jamie Lee Curtis, she can get nominated. She can win this thing. She was, I thought, that good. So when the Prediction Center opened, I, I put her number one. And I was surprised that even though people had Everything Everywhere, one, uh, everything everywhere uh, All at Once, you know, being nominated or winning Best Picture, very few people had her being nominated. And, you know, the I was late to seeing the movie. Um, and so all of this Jamie bashing that was going on and that you were, uh, taking the lumps for in many cases, I kept thinking, what is all this hatred coming from? And all the, I just assumed it was probably one of those uh, uh, Ellen Burstyn moments, like at the Emmys, you know, she only had two minutes, but she won at the Emmys. And so, or 45 seconds she had. In no, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was actually around 38, 35. <laughs> so there's a Ellen Burstyn rule now at the Emmys and probably at the Oscars, but, um, you know, Tom, after, by October, Jamie Lee just cracked the top 10. And Joy Sang wrote this great spot about, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis now in the top 10 Golden Riyads. And I emailed you and Marcus, and I said, hey, how about a piece, you know, five reasons why Jamie Lee Curtis uh, could and should earn her first Oscar nomination. And I said, um, I can point to some really solid arguments as to why she can make the race. And Marcus like, oh, this, that's great. And you're like, you know, go for it. So I, I wrote it, and it went up. And a few hours later, I'm on a New York City bus, 
and somebody messages me and says, Jamie Lee Curtis just gave you a shout out. Like what's going on? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. She just, she just, she, she, she acknowledged me, you know. <laughs> so, um, but that's um, fantastic. I, was that good? And she, and she was so strong. And then I ruined that piece that she would get the Globe nomination. She would get the SAG nomination, which, which did happen. And I thought if she got the, got those nominations and everything everywhere, being the Oscar contender was, there was no way she could miss at least the nomination. So she had uh, a lot. When I finally saw the movie, she had a lot more screen time than I thought she, uh, based on all the, you know. Junk right. had a real presence in that movie. You can oh, see, yeah. you can no see question. why. And, but now I'm pissed off that she didn't thank you in her Oscar acceptance speech. <laughs> oh, we're doing it next week. It's, it's it's all good. You know. By the way, I did after she lost the Globe and Critics Choice. I wrote that that piece uh, for Gold Derby: Five Reasons Why Jimmy Lee Curtis Can Pull Off a SAG Awards Shocker. And I um, I pointed to some different reasons. And I've been pulling SAG voters aggressively. I spoke to several hundred here in New York City. And I heard so many votes for Curtis. I mean, they loved everything everywhere. They loved her performance. I thought she really can win. So I wrote that piece. And the only other expert, you know, to go on board with me was Tom. Tom, thanks for believing me. And I could <laughs> on the way to SAG Awards, checking out her odds, wondering, is there any hope? Seeing everybody's picking Angela Bassett, except for two people. And it's Tom O'Neill and Tariq Khan. And she must have thought, those buffoons. It's hopeless, you know? I'm never going to win. <laughs> So uh, yeah, but when she—it's funny after she won SAG though, she didn't take she didn't take the lead in the Golden Yacht. She was still third when the I Oscars. Know, I know they did. People didn't believe it. It just seemed so ridiculous. But um, she winning was, SAG is always a big precursor though for an yeah, actor. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But she uh, also was so different from the other nominees. You had Asian actresses in there and the rest of it, and you had this whole legacy of, of her Hollywood uh, right. royalties parents her parents and so forth. So she had a lot of things going for her, but when I finally saw the movie and I said, oh my God, she's got a lot of screen time. What the hell are they talking about? Of course she's gonna win for this. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, back to Ray for a second. Um, I didn't buy the Brendan Fraser thing because I have uh, bet most recently, at least the last 10, 20 years on um, the performances that usually come through of portraying, uh, like Rami Malek portraying Freddie Mercury or um, uh, Marion Cotillard, Edith Piaf, uh, Renee Zellweger's Judy Garland. The, yeah. the, the people portraying singers, especially famous ones. And who, especially are, ones are, who, who meet a tragic end. And who meet a tragic end. And they did their own, no, Rami didn't do, he had one or two actual notes in the whole movie where he was actually singing. Otherwise, he didn't even do his own singing. Renee did uh, for the Judy movie, which was outstanding. But they love the musical performances. And Austin Butler was everywhere in this town, uh, pumping every hand, slapping every back, kissing every baby. He was really smartly working it and charming everybody. And so I thought, and you know, it was a really good movie. So I just didn't I just couldn't go there with the uh, Brendan thing. You know, I, you know, I think, I think Austin, um, I was a strong performance, but I always thought it was going to. I don't think Austin lost it so much as Brendan won it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think you know, um, I never bought into the whole idea of oh, you know, the whale. It's it's fat shaming, and um, oh, they should have found a six hundred pound actor to play that role. And I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me, <laughs> really? Could, if you could find one, good luck. Uh, and second, why does it? Why do you have to be the thing? I, I mean, this is 
a whole other discussion. I don't understand why you always have to be the thing you're portraying to be convincing or be politically correct. But uh, I just thought he was so powerful and so good and had such a great comeback redemption narrative um, uh, going for him. I just, I also thought that Austin, if he made any mistake, it might have been continuing to have that Elvis accent throughout much of awards season, where he still sounded like Elvis. And I'm just like, <laughs> you're not playing the role anymore. Just be <laughs> Austin now. That probably worked against him, is my guess. Tarek, where did you come out on Did you go with Brendan? No, well, it's funny. At first, uh, this first part of the season, I had Fraser. And then when Whale missed out Best Patreon Adapted Screenplay, I said, okay, it's probably going to be Butler. And after then, you know, of course, Butler won BAFTA. Then when Fraser won SAG, I was like, okay, well, this is close. I immediately started emailing some, the day after that SAG Awards, I started reaching out to some of my Academy contacts and saying, please, off the record, can you just tell me, is it Butler or is it Fraser? That Monday, I got five emails by the end of the day back, and three of them were for Colin Farrell. And one was for Fraser, and one was for Butler. And I spoke to more that week, and I heard more votes for Colin Farrell than anybody else. And I realized, you know, this is a close, Farrell could pull up an upset. And I thought about it, given that Banshees was the strongest film, I think the most popular with Academy, among those three pictures, among Elvis, which was the best picture nominee, and The Whale, which wasn't. And the fact that Farrell was the most respected actor of, of those three, you know, based on his, his film credits over the past, you know, more than 20 years. And uh, also the fact that, you know, Farrell had won so many of the critics awards, you know, I mean, uh, in the US, he won New York Film Critics, National Society of Film Critics. Um, it was such an acclaimed performance. I realized that this year that Fraser and Butler might have split the vote and Farrell could squeak through. So I, mean, I went on that limb. I wrote that, that article. It's funny, other pundits heard the same thing. There was a lot of support for Farrell. Um, I think it was close. Um, and I was kind of surprised Fraser pulled it off just because the whale, you know, had missed that Best Picture nomination, and the last Best Actor winner in a non-Best Picture vehicle was Jeff Bridges and Crazy Heart, and of course, you know, he was on his fifth nomination, was a sentimental favorite. So I wasn't sure if Brendan Fraser could pull it off, um, but uh, you know, it was definitely worth it. And I think it's a case where uh, voters just felt that performance was so strong that they couldn't deny it. So I think that's how he did it, and uh, it's certainly well deserved. Yeah, I was uh, uh, bowled over by it, but I didn't understand what the Collins. Uh, Farrell thing was all about at the Gold Derby Awards. You know, we're not supposed to disclose these things, but I will. Um, at our own awards, given away by close to three thousand uh, website users, we're, we're fairly uh, reflective in advance of what the Oscars are going to do. So, if there's a runaway in the vote, uh, right. I don't know what to do. I will cheat and go sometimes, and then look at what the results were of the um, uh, the vote. Colin Farrell was 29 miles ahead of everybody else at the Gold Derby Award. He, he won it, he showed up, he accepted, made a great acceptance speech, all these mm -hmm. things. And uh, I just thought, well, oh, I'm underestimating. All, all I saw on screen watching that movie was uh, <laughs> him saying to Brendan Fraser, why aren't you my friend anymore? <laughs> and you know, Brendan uh, Gleason was, is, is one of those actors, just like Regina King, right before she won the Oscar, mm -hmm. she had won, I think, five out of six Emmy uh, things, and four of them were upsets. And Brendan Gleeson is the same way. I mean, he's just kept winning Emmy after Emmy after Emmy. Uh, but that's by actor's branch. So, mm -hmm. you know, the Emmys, it remains a peer group throughout the two rounds of voting. At the Oscars, it's peer group 
voting to determine the nominees and then everybody is suddenly an expert now who wasn't considered an expert during the nomination phase. In, in fact, that's what that's what they should name the process is everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> that's uh, what the Oscar voting is. Yeah, I know. So uh, what so the hell is going on with the Oscars with these nomad lands and you know all these 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 um very in many in some cases really obscure movies nomadland didn't even have a plot i mean i'm sorry box searchlight but uh, <laughs> i think it did have a lot of gravitas at a time COVID hit and that's what resonated powerfully with people but um you know part of it is what looks better what looks good on a small screen versus a big screen because so many more people are are screening things now at home mm -hmm. um especially in the wake of covid and um, there are certain movies that look better on a small screen than a big screen. People aren't discussing but that. Everybody has big screens now. They all have 62 inch. Yeah, but I mean, but not not a theater size screen. Right, but, but let's stick to this point for a minute because this was the first year, and I was told this by Tom Bernard, who is the co-president of Sony Pictures Classics. When I ran into him at an event, he said, you guys are meaning Penske Corporation, which publishes Variety, the Hollywood Reporter, IndieWire, Gold Derby, uh, and some other FYC brands. Um, he said, you know, these, these screenings that you guys charge a lot of money for, uh, they may be going away because uh, the Emmys and the, and the uh, Oscars have not had that portal properly uh, configured. Uh, I was a voting member for many years at the Emmys, and I just... Uh, uh, that's a whole other story. But anyway, the uh, the portal there never worked. It, it was always just a mess. So forget the Emmys. Uh, but this year, the Oscars nailed it. Tom Bernard, uh, a studio president, told me, he goes, Tom, everybody's watching it on the big, uh, not uh, watching it on at home on the portal. It's smooth and total idiot can hook it up. And he said, uh, and now everybody has a big screen. So that small screen argument goes away. If they're lazy, they can say, fuck you. You know, I'm, uh, uh, I have a big screen. So he warned me that that was the game changer. And it started me thinking, you know, how could that reflect in the awards? And it's a good thing in many ways, because when you look back at the history of Oscars in the old days, the blockbusters like Towering Inferno and Airport and... Uh, uh, Jaws and Anna would get, would get nominated and uh, would, would sometimes even win. But uh, this year, they haven't done that recently much, but this year they did at least nominate two blockbusters, Top Gun and uh, the Avatar remakes. But um, for the most part, it's, it's, they're doing what the critics do. They're trying to prove how smart they are. By and it's, the, yeah, it's the, the obscure art house stuff, the Nomad Land and the Coda and, uh, you know, um, Birdman before that and um, yeah it's it's not it doesn't reflect popular tastes and that's obviously why the ratings go down on the telecast although they went up this time and part of that is probably because people wanted to see who would get slapped this year <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, can we talk a little bit about a uh, uh, best actress yeah absolutely. that that was very interesting to me the way Kate Blanchett was you know, was the cleaning was up so early dominant. on in the award season. Yeah, you know, the LA critics, the New York critics, um, everything. You know, she just she she controlled everything, 
And then you could just see the tide turning slowly and then it just flipped completely after SAG. And um, part of it is Michelle Yeoh was fantastic in everything everywhere all at once. But I think there also could have been, and see what you guys think of this, um, Tarek and Tom. Uh, do we think that there could have been any sort of small backlash against a white actress um, in this category, given the perception that Danielle Deadweiler and Till and Viola Davis and the Woman King got screwed in favor of Andrea Riseborough and that they needed to give this to a woman of color this year. Tara, you go first. Okay, yes. Well, you know, I wrote that piece for Gold Derby that went up, I think, January 31st, uh, Five Reasons Why Michelle Yeoh Will Win the Best Actress Oscar. And at that point, I think they're almost tied in the Gold Derby odds. And I wrote that, you know, that that Yeoh would win. And uh, one of the things I wrote was, um, well, first of all, um, I wrote that Yeoh would win SAG. And I was pulling SAG voters, and I wrote this in my explanations, that I heard twice as many SAG votes for Yeoh as I did for Blanche. A lot of SAG voters told me they could not even get through TAR. I mean, that was a critics movie. A lot of SAG voters just couldn't get into it. And I agree. Um, I happen to agree with that. Agree, yes. I I knew but, it, but it did get a Best Picture nomination. Uh, Tart? Oh, yes. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Right. But I, uh, I knew that that, that that Yeo would win SAG and everything everywhere being the Oscar, you know, frontrunner to win, that was going to help Michelle Yeoh. I wrote that Michelle Yeoh has a high cool factor. You know, Tom, I mean, you've already told me about this, how important this is. Like you said, you told me I mean, years ago that Hilary Swank and Boys Don't Cry could win because that film, that performance was seen as being cool. And you told me that No Country for Old Men, it was, being, it was, the, it was the cool movie that year, even though you said it was pretty silly. You thought, I know you and I didn't like it, but you said it was a cool movie to like. And you told me that Crash could win because it was a cool movie. Michelle Yeoh was, was very, is, is very, very cool. And then I did write that I think the chance to make history was undeniable. And then the voters looked at both performances, Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett, and, and both were fantastic. Both would be deserving of the Best Actress Oscar. But if you're looking at them equally and you think, here we have a chance, not only you know, to reward somebody who deserves it, but to make history, it would be too much to to deny, I thought, you know, and well, so I think look, when you look at the Gold Derby charts, mm -hmm. uh, Kate Blanchett, who I mean, there's nobody as cool as she she is you know, practically. She's beloved and she's considered what like royalty. And sure, sure. When, you look, when you look at her odds at Gold Derby starting in August the year before, she was so far in front. And Michelle Yeoh, her. Uh, just watching the 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 cross, uh, the trajectory of Michelle up and the uh, the fall of Kate Blanchett, it was consistent. There was no <laughs> minute that, that Kate just fell. It was right. a, a gradual um, a build, and it looked like that would be the one award, the one top award that Everything Everywhere could lose. Uh, when I saw it, and then I thought, wait a minute. I had had Kate Blanchett earlier, uh, not that I wanted to, because I didn't really like the movie that much. She, she did a lot of grandstanding acting, which they liked. But the thing about Michelle Yeoh in her film was her great acting scenes really come at the end. Right. Uh, it, it, one after the other after the other. And they pro so profoundly move you uh, mm -hmm. that I thought, the minute I saw it, then I said, that's it. Uh, she saved the best for last. And it may not have been a deliberate choice, but boy, you really feel it at the end. And it's so interesting though, because you know, the part of the narrative for Michelle was, you know, she's overdue. They haven't ever honored her. Everyone, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, the career achievement Oscar for her, as well as, you know, of course, the first time a Asian American woman or Asian, 
woman, period, is going, is going to win the category. But no one was talking the year before about we need to honor Michelle Yeoh. I know. Yeah. You know, it just, it's, it's so interesting the way, the way things change over the course of an awards year, you know, um, where Kate Blanchett is, is the one, and then suddenly, suddenly she's not cool anymore, and uh, they got to give it to the cool one. Right, exactly. By the way, I don't. I don't even think it was that close to be honest, best actress. I mean, not, not that uh, Yo won by a landslide, but I, but I think she won by by a, a, a solid margin. That's probably sense. a healthy margin. Yeah. Yeah. So. By that time, yeah, uh, the, the trend line. Do do we think that the Andrea Riseborough nomination, you know, coming through social media and the campaigning of her fellow actors, that that's going to radically change the way campaigning is done? No. I think it could partly. Well, I, the one thing they shouldn't allow is. If you're a member of the Academy, you are not permitted to campaign overtly for anyone else, right? And the fact that some people have violated that law, I think that was the law that the Hurt Locker producer had violated, right, on Facebook or something. And then yeah. they, they pulled his ticket and they wouldn't even let him uh, see his own movie named Best Picture. That's how strict they would be about it. But they weren't strict about uh, uh, Andrea because, uh, the stars were having these screenings at home, you know, Jennifer Aniston was and others. Uh, in some cases, the groups were small, eight to a dozen people, but you, you had people like Kate, Blant, uh, Kate Winslet saying, it's the greatest performance by an actress ever in the history of film. I mean, it was so overt, the campaigning. Well, and I think that that's okay. As someone like Kate Winslet is allowed and, uh, by the rules of free speech to say those things, but I wonder about those screenings, Jack Nicholson used to have them all the time, um, at their homes when they start actively recruiting. I, that's overtly uh, singled out in the rules that you're not allowed to do those things. And nobody seemed to care about that. They were, they, what they were uh, all upset about was that people were out there advocating for her and Facebooking and Twittering for her. And that's what they were upset about the Academy. Yeah. Wait a minute, no. It's, the other thing. Oh, hey, by the way, that made 27,000 in theaters, um, you know, before, before the nomination. How many people saw the movie in theaters, in cinemas last fall when it was, when it was playing? Any, any, you know, it must have been what? I mean, uh, eight or 10 people. I was who paid money to see that movie in a movie theater. It was playing at the uh, Village Cinemas uh, in New York City. And I saw it on a Sunday morning, 10 a.m. I actually paid money to see a movie because then, oh, you know, it's got Andrew Rice, it's got Allison Janney, you know, one of my favorites, Tom. You love to tease me about that. So I went to go see it. And when people ask me, oh, could she get nominated? Like, no, that's never going to happen. I'm like, I'm the only person in the world who actually saw that movie in a theater. There's no way that's, that's going to happen. And, and it happened. Who would have thought? It really is crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just caught fire and, and it and it worked. And uh, down to the wire, no one thought it was still going to happen. Um, he is an Oscar magnet. Remember that. You know, you work for Allison Jenny. You're going to either win an Oscar or at least get nominated. So... I think Mark Mark Marin having doing a podcast talking talking to her also had to help because he's got a huge podcast and, yeah. and of course he was a co-star in the movie he was really good too he was yeah um, there did, was this growing momentum near that home stretch for all quiet on the western front and I heard it directly from voter after voter after voter after voter when we polled uh, uh, eight voters and we asked for them to give us their top three ranking, because remember that's a, a preferential ballot. Uh, I believe, unless I'm mistaken here, that um, All Quiet was the only best picture contender 
that made it on every single ballot in, in one, two, or three, that uh, a couple of them didn't even have everything everywhere. Um, and then I just kept hearing it more and more and more. And then all of a sudden you, you realize, wait a minute, it could win score. Wait a minute, it, it, it's going to win international feature. Uh, and all of a sudden it, it, it ended up pulling off those wins. And uh, pe distinguished people like Pete Hammond uh, went out on, on a limb at the last minute for it. I, the week be and a half before the Oscars, for a few days, I did uh, put uh, All Quiet up in first place because I just run into like seven or eight Oscar voters who were all telling me they were voting for it. And the only one who said he wasn't had, her, had it in second place. So there was this climbing momentum for it that I think if it had uh, started like three or four weeks earlier, could have brought it down. I, I was a big fan of that film. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, I love, I'll, I, th I think it was the best movie of the year um, myself. But, um, you know, part of it, even though it happened with Parasite, um, I think you're going to lose a certain number of voters for a foreign language film that has subtitles. Uh, that's going to work. Parasite was a masterpiece, though. It, it really was. was. It was. It's one of those movies that really, really deserved to win. And so it resonated. Funny. It right. was way back in September of that year um, when I forget what, what was the movie that was presumed to be the front runner that year? The Irishman? Uh, Irishman, that's right. Uh -huh. Early on. Uh, I overheard an executive from ABC uh, standing behind me talking to somebody from the network uh, or no, speaking to an Academy executive, an ABC network executive. I'm overhearing this conversation going, you know what, we all know Parasite's going to win. In September, wow. they, uh, both the network and the Academy were saying that just based on everything they were seeing. Wow. It sure wow. does. I mean, it was just wow. You know, Parasite, um, comparing that to All Quiet, um, you know, Parasite did have the SAG uh, ensemble nomination, which it, it won in, uh, you know, a bit of an upset over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, you know, All Quiet had no SAG nomination, which which hurt it. Also, All Quiet had no directing nomination, which was kind of a surprise, had no, had no editing. Um, now, it's funny, Harrison Ford, you know, presenting Best Picture, when he opened the envelope, I, for a split second, thought, could this be like another Shakespeare in Love year where he says, you know, so it's a big shocker, All Quiet was in front. Um, and it was that, actually, would have, after, that would have been incredibly shocking at right. that moment if that had happened. It actually, it would have been funny if Harrison Ford had opened the envelope and said, you know, the Oscar, you know, for best picture goes to Saving Private Ryan. Oh, I actually had the wrong, the, the wrong envelope that time. <laughs> back in 1999. So I would, have, I would have loved him to say, actually, the winner is La La Land. No, <laughs> I love La La Land. I, don't, I just don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a little old lady at heart. I just love all that romantic stuff. I'm sorry about the uh, the leaf blowing noise here in um, Los Angeles. It's a curse. Do, do, we, do we want to talk uh, a little bit about director also? Yeah, go go for it. The Daniels actually beat Steven Spielberg uh, with a personally uh, deeply felt, you know, one, one of the most withdrawn uh, shy uh, of, the of the Hollywood Titans reached back and told us a really, really uh, tender, uh, heartbreaking story about his family and himself and a boy discovering a camera in the middle of, of this drama around him was so powerful. The Fablemans led the early Gold Derby odds 
and it seemed like it would almost be unstoppable, but um, it just didn't happen. I was I was surprised. I remember. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go, go, no, ahead. go ahead, Tarek. I was going to say, remember, you know, my my monologue that I wrote for Jimmy Kimmel, which people said was actually funnier than the actual monologue. My joke about that movie, um, you know, you could have said, you know, The Fablemans is a movie that had Oscar written all over it. In fact, the working title was The Goldmans. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, it seemed like Oscar bait, The Fablemans. And um, I, I think when people saw it, I think it was good, but just not as great as people thought it would be. And I think Daniels I took it pretty good. I love it. The achievement I it was well done, but but it it didn't have the kind of oomph you would expect from a best picture. Yeah, right, it, right. it didn't have any um, surprises. I mean, it did have a surprise when when it pivoted uh, to the revelation about his mother, and suddenly became Michelle Williams's movie instead of the boys. From that moment on, and um, I was rooting for Michelle Williams, but um, they just weren't going to. They just weren't going. It it was too conventional, is what it was. The Fablemans. It didn't take this really big artistic chance yeah, that right. uh, something like all these other movies that have won recently have done. Can you imagine how pissed off Spielberg is, though? I mean, <laughs> he, he's like, I have been in this business doing this for fifty goddamn years. These guys come out of fucking nowhere, and they win as many Oscars in one night as I have won in fifty years. For, for directing. worse than that, remember the old days when his movies like Jaws would get nominated and he was he wouldn't, and it was as if Hollywood really had it out for him. So if he if he wanted a good reason to be paranoid, and I certainly would have been in his position, they just weren't going to accept him as a, a creator of art. Just Raiders of the Lost Ark and these uh, big blockbusters, okay, but not uh, great cinema. They didn't consider it. No. Was nominated for Raiders of the Lost Ark for directing and for ET, but not for the color purple. You know, eleven nominations that he missed for directing, and that was yeah, such a such a shock that year. So, by the way, Spielberg he knew he was going to lose this year, though, right? He knew he I had think. to know. Now, ten years no, ago, not early on. I spoke to him uh, uh, at great length uh, right when the campaign started. Uh, we were all he thought he was going to win when it started, based on on because everyone saw it right away. Yeah. Uh, there were Spielberg events. He was. Uh, overseas a lot and whenever he would get into town Universal would throw him some really great bash so um, uh, and he went he was there and there was one event um, you, were you with me I think so uh, Ray when, with John Williams uh, yeah. yeah that was so masterful the two of them just talking for like 40 minutes it was they were so eloquent and so insightful, and they did that everywhere across Hollywood. The, pro the problem was that you, you could see that, that everything everywhere was going to be a buzzsaw, and if, it, and if it won as many as everyone was predicting, it was going to bring the Daniels with it. Yeah. There was no right. way they could honor the movie in a major way without the Daniels winning, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think, by, I think by the time the ceremony came around, I think he knew he was losing. Now, 10 years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. 10 years ago when he was nominated for Lincoln and Ben Affleck was not nominated for the Argo, he was the favorite. And I think he was surprised when he lost to Ang Lee for Life of Pi, which time, I know you and I predicted that year, but that year I think he was generally surprised when he lost. But this year I think he saw it coming. Well, the Life and of Pi. He was still pretty, I think he's still pissed off that Saving Private Ryan lost to, uh, lost to- He is, and love. he's slipping that in there, you know. I think all of Hollywood is, is and, and most of the journalists are still pissed off, but, um, uh, Sasha's but you know what? But the good news is he's he's still walking around making movies, and the guy that was behind uh, 
Shakespeare in Love is in prison forever. So he won. <laughs> John no. Madden is not in prison, but Harvey is, yeah. So um, the, uh, I just dropped something, uh-oh. But, um, oh, Sasha Stone over at Awards Daily, um, uh, she and I are, have been called by New York Magazine, the Adam and Eve of Oscar bloggers. <laughs> uh, Sasha and I are the only two people I think I know on the planet who really thought Shakespeare should win and beat Saving Private Ryan. But, um, Wait, but Tom, didn't you predict Life is Beautiful that year? If I'm I, mistaken. I, I, I may have, yeah. I loved that movie too. I Yes, because that was possible as well. I mean, that was a really exciting three-way race, you know, between uh, uh, Saving Forever Ryan, Shakespeare in Love and Life is Beautiful. And uh, so uh, that, that's a case where I, I can almost guarantee you that Shakespeare in Love won by like fewer than 10 votes. It might have been one vote. It was so close, I'm sure. We'll never know, but it must be. The thing was, Saving Private Ryan had come out so long before. I remember that issue, week's issue of Entertainment Weekly, the Oscar issue, that came out uh, just days before the ceremony. Uh, there was a wisecrack in there go under their predictions for best picture was, hey, ha hasn't Standing Private Ryan already won this? Well, what's it yeah. doing up for now, you know, for this award now? There was just this such a presumption. And yeah. I, I didn't buy it because it was always followed by all this gushing was always uh, followed by, oh, that first 20 minutes on the beach, which I never thought was okay. It was fine. It was good film you know, war footage but the, everyone was just carried away with that and i thought if that's what they're carried away with yeah were you guys um i was actually really happy to see sarah Polly win for screenplay yeah for adapted yeah. screenplay were you surprised that she beat all quiet i was not because uh very rarely we talked to her, uh, the Pedro Amaldivar movie that had subtitles, uh, won a screenplay award. And ha have any others, Card? Uh, Parasite, you know, one for original screenplays. Of course, yeah. And now we've had women win, uh, win that, win in screenplay two years in a row. So the, yeah. there's an acknowledgement that women know how to write, but, but maybe don't know how to direct at the moment. Also the word women talking, <laughs> uh, I think really helped it. You know, the naming of these contenders uh, plays a big role. Um, and it's true at a lot of uh, show business awards that, <clears throat> you know, like A Beautiful Mind, American Beauty, right, the exactly. these aspirational titles will uh, often do well. Um, of course, my, my sexist take on that was, you don't have to go to the movie house to see, uh, when I'm talking, you just have to come to my house. <laughs> but um, uh, no, you know, um, she, I feel, I felt like that was, that was a, a slam dunk with Sarah Polly because um, they really wanted to honor something that was female centric in terms of the, the uh, you know, the, the people behind the film um, and, uh, and the, the subject matter. And it, and it was a terrifically done movie and it was really, it, we knew they knew it wasn't going to get honored anywhere else. Um, that was but the strange I, thing. A lot of people thought it would get into, um, right. A lot of other races, yeah. Oh, yeah. Common, may I ask you again, if we can go back real quickly? Um, you know, for supporting actress, um, by the time you know before the Oscars, Angela Bassett still led the odds, even though she lost SAG, she lost BAFTA. Did she think she was going to win? Um, do you think she expected that 
I have to wonder. And, and, and hence, hence her, hence her right. reaction when she lost. Was she thinking that she was that that was that was hers? I mean, maybe you know, based looking at the gold derby odds, is she thinking that she's probably going to win and then just right. take them? But, you know, uh, I think what hurt her was that it was a Marvel movie. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, they don't take that stuff seriously. Yeah. You know, it's funny after she lost SAG, you know, BAFTA, and then SAG, and the movie wasn't for Best Picture, that she still held on to first place. You know, in the odds. Um, by the way, um, Jamie Lee. Um, she was surprised. I think she was she was prepared to lose. That was that was my feeling watching her before they opened the envelope. I think um, I think she was prepared to lose. I think she was surprised when she won. That was my sense. What do you think? I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that she would have been expecting to win after you know by the time the ceremony happened the last week ten days it was everything was pushed being tossed in her direction. But yes. you're right. Her response really made it look like she was genuinely surprised. Right. No, because she was following the gold derby odds. She saw she was third, so she, you know, she probably wasn't expecting it. Unlike so. Kehui Ke Ke Kwan, for instance. Right, exactly. Who, uh, who obviously, <laughs> that was the biggest slam dunk of the night and uh, incredibly well-deserved. And and such a wonderful narrative to see him up there on stage with with uh, Harrison Ford hugging exactly. again after, after <laughs> Indiana Jones. It was just wonderful. And of course, uh, Ariana DeBose, she's actually going to win the Oscar next year for her presentation this year. She was so powerful when she announced his name that she's already the front runner for the, for the Oscar next year. So, uh, boy. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot, were, a lot of people were going for uh, Babylon for best score. I did not. I Like you guys, I went with all quiet. Well, just because just, Justin Hurwitz has won a few times already. Yeah, and he was La La Land, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you but know, I, Babylon did win production design, which surprised me because it beat it, uh, it Elvis and Avatar and uh, lost production design. Are you, are you saying the Babylon production won? Design, I'm saying it won there, right? But Babylon, it lost score when a lot of people thought it was going to win score. Well, Babylon lost to All Quiet production design. Actually, was, actually, All Quiet won. It was favored to win yeah. Babylon. Oh, yes, I know, uh, but the. The odds, I believe, at Gold Derby were that Babylon was going to win score, right? And production design, and production design as well, and a lot, and a yeah, lot. Yeah, both. Yes, yes, right, 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 right. Yes. Oh, by the way, you know, um, Babylon losing production design to All Quiet in the Western Front. I mean, I, I predicted Elvis because I thought that was the best picture nominee, and you know, had I originally had two uh, colorful sets. How did All Quiet win there? Because normally war movies don't win for production design. I mean, you know, uh, 1917, you know, didn't didn't win that. Uh, how did All Quiet win that? That was kind of a surprise for me. It was because it was like the same set. It was a battlefield set the whole right. time. So, right. Huh. Yeah, that was it was weird. I, I would have actually given that to Babylon, even though I thought it was a, a little bit of a hot mess of a movie. Mm -hmm. I, I have never seen a more over the top, broad, crazy, big studio release than that. <laughs> did, did you guys all see Babylon? Oh, yeah. Of course. In fact, I'm still watching it. In fact, it's that long. I haven't finished it. I need to go back to it. <laughs> I was going to say, it, take, it takes at least a week to get through it. Unbelievable. Um, you know, just that first 45-minute party. Oh, my God. It was just like, woo. I guess yeah. we get it. Yes, they had lots of hedonism and insanity back in the Hollywood of the day. There were some wonderful moments in that film, actually, that I, I liked when they were converting to talkies, you know, and they're on the really hot set and everyone was sweating. Uh, I thought that was a wonderful moment. Um, and uh, um, the battlefield scene, you know, where you saw like five, five or six movies being shot 
like on that one yeah, field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I thought that was, you know, that really was indicative of the way I'm sure movies were shot back in the day. And, oh, this guy just died. Oh, well, okay. Put in the next extra. Uh, um, let's talk about a documentary feature for a second, because if I just, um, uh, you know, I follow the whole uh, Vladimir Putin, Russia stuff and the Navalny uh, story and the rest of it. But um, all the beauty and the bloodshed and uh, fire of love had seemed to be taking a lot, most of those documentary awards throughout Derby season, right? So for Navalny to win there, that's that. That's where my heart was, and I was wishing he would win. I was really surprised when it did win. It picked well, up a lot of momentum. I think the last ten days, wouldn't you I mean, say? It won, both, it won both BAFTA and then it, and it won um, uh, PGA Navalny, right? So oh, did it was, it? okay. It was kind of the favorite, to, you know, to, to, to win Navalny. So it started. It, it picked up momentum toward the end of of the cycle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, and and I'm glad that it did. And I think I think. Voters realize that uh, the, the academy needs to show their their political leanings and conscience by giving it to this thing, and of course it was just a, a wonderfully done. It, it plays like a thriller. Uh, it's a beautifully done done doc. Yeah. Now, uh, Targ, you're usually king of these of the shorts. I mean, you, it's you have this uncanny ability to predict them, and you got what two out of three of them right. Um, Yes, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. This year it's funny. Yeah, I got an Irish goodbye. I got that one right. I got the the bull, the boy, the mole, um, the fox and the horse right. I was worried because that one was so long. Normally the long ones in the animated uh, short animated short film uh, category don't win, and I was concerned that it might lose based on the length. But it but it still won. Like last year, Robin Robin was the favorite. It lost the windshield wiper. And I think Robin Robin was. So, by the way, but for for a documentary short subject, um, the favorite was uh, the elephant whispers. I thought Stranger at the Gate might actually win because it was actually more um, political. Normally, the um, the ones about social issues win this category. I mean, over the past dozen years, um, it's always been you know period end of sentence and you know uh, saving face and girl in the river and crisis hotline and innocente. So I thought Stranger at the Gate um, you know might might have the edge. And also, it was um, you know it was executive produced by Malala Yousafzai, who was there in the audience and had a great you know comic bit with Jimmy Kimmel went over so well. So I thought Stranger at the Gate might pull up an upset, but Elfin Whispers the 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 the, the footage was so powerful was so beautiful that it, that, it, that it won there so i'm sure it was Ray close. richmond got it right <laughs> i did well basically that's just that that just stemmed from never vote against elephants <laughs> you know elephants are they're cute and cuddly and everyone loves them and you know it doesn't matter if you show basically an elephant elephant you know uh walking 100 feet shitting the whole way they're going to still vote for the elephant film <laughs> But just don't vote for the the donkeys because how did Banshees go zero for nine? I'm still surprised. I thought Banshees would win something. I'm kind of surprised. Best picture. I was. I didn't. I was not a great fan of the movie. It was okay, um, but um, I, I was surprised at this enormous uh, gushing and uh, advocating there was for that movie and how deeply moved people were by it. But uh, there's not much that happens in that uh, movie except uh, Brendan you know, chopping himself to pieces. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, but, I think, but, you're, but you're right. It, it, that was not the kind of film you thought was going to go over for nine. Yeah. I thought when you know, it, it showed up somewhere, either original screenplay or I thought maybe actor or supporting actress somewhere. I, it, that's it, where I thought it was going to win screenplay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny that, that Banshees went 0 for 9, Elvis went 0 for 8, and The Whale went 2 for 3. I mean, you know, who would have thought, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Without a Best Picture nomination or director or writer nomination, it's still one, two. Right. By the way, how did Elvis lose everything? I mean, costume design was so obvious, right? I mean, how did it not win? I guess I don't know. his Baz Luhrmann did something to piss people off. <laughs> well, I, I had a talk many years ago with, because remember, um, this, his movie this year, Elvis, had eight nominations, just like Moulin Rouge, the same nominations. He was snubbed. The movie was up for Best Picture. It had, it actually had a chance of winning. People were uh, really loving it. I think I, I did predict it that year, stupidly. But um, during the Moulin, Moulin Rouge year, Baz asked to talk to me privately at an event. And I went, oh, okay. So we were at this thing and we went into a conference room in the side. And he said, Tom, I, I, I would appreciate it if you would explain to me, uh, should I be offended that I wasn't nominated? Uh, does it mean anything? You know, his wife, Carol Martin, wins uh, costuming and stuff every year. Uh, so she's got about 400 Oscars at home and he still doesn't. And he said, and they nominated in every other category, but not me. And he said, please explain that to me. And so I said, Buzz, you have a history of producing opera uh, and knowing that um, the genius of Moulin Rouge is that it's like a great boy band song or like a great opera. It's not just, oh, I love you, baby, or something. It's, I love you so much, I could die. I mean, if you're gonna go for camp, you, you've got to hit it exactly right or, or you miss by a mile, right? So uh, Boz is, or Baz, however you, I said that your surrender to camp and the your brilliance at doing that is what the very small directors branch, in those days only 300 members, um, that's what they hate about you, Boz, is that it's not pretentious in the rest of it and you really surrender to it. Um, this time, I think what we saw uh, again, it wasn't personal because Elvis just lost out on so many awards like Tarek was saying that we thought were, it was a slam dunk yet. How could Elvis not get costume design? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it's funny. And when it lost, after it lost makeup and then costumes, I think everybody knew that Butler was not going to win. Yeah. Um, but it just, you know, it really is, uh, you know, it really is surprising. Um, by the way, that leads me to think, you know, was was Butler a second for best actor? Um, I kind of think the fact that that it lost um, those categories, actually Farrell might have been second, you know, for best actor, might have been that close. I, I, we don't know, but I, I have to think it might have been. Um, also, place. earlier in our conversation, Ray was talking about redemption stories. Um, and in Collins' uh, story arc of his life, you know, he was such a rascal uh, when he was younger. And then he had the uh, first of two boys uh, as a father. And the first one uh, come, came out with, um, what is he, uh, some kind of handicap. And it really, really had a profound impact on Colin. And he uh, publicly stated, I'm not drinking again. Um, I've got to take life seriously. The, enough of this uh, partying crap and the rest of it. I've got a child I've got to raise and it's a special challenge and I'm ready for it. And there was this miraculous change in him that everybody saw that they were so impressed um, that he went on to have a second son and now he's a real family man. And uh, it was interesting watching him 
at all of the events on the FYC trail because he was there, he was working it and he would not have done that 10 years earlier. He wouldn't have. Right. Good for him for turning his wife around. Yeah, he, yeah. really. Do you think, do you think he when Do you think he thought he was gonna win? Do you think Colin Farrell? I think he thought that he had a really good chance. We were all acknowledging the fact that we thought he did. Had a right. Did, did he read my article? You think, um, is, that, is that possible? He read, he read the Goldery article where I wrote that he was gonna win? Absolutely. Okay, so so Colin, he must have a Tariq Khan booted on right now. <laughs> so I, I'm dead. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry, Colin. I thought you were fantastic, and really, I heard so many, so much support for him. I thought he I thought he was that was gonna be the big shocker that he you're would. you're on dark boards and voodoo dolls everywhere. <laughs> right. Yes, Angela Bass's house right now. I mean, they're everywhere, right? Uh, Tariq, how many how many times have you won the experts uh, Oscar? Uh, only a, only a couple. It's been a while because you know what the thing is, Tom. I always I always do go out on and try to call some like long shots because I always say that if people go to Gold Derby and they see every expert uh, yeah. picking the, what's the point, right? I mean that's so boring. So um, yes, yeah, so I try to you know I try to look for you know some long shots and, and call them and knowing that they may not all come through, many may may not come through, but still it makes things more fun that way. You know, mm -hmm. when people person picking absolutely. Is. So, like, for example, with SAG, for um, Tom, you and I both picked Jimmy Lee Curtis, where everybody else had Bassett, and, you know, we got that right. So, you know, at times there are there are surprises, and you know, with that, I think you should try to try and anticipate those, so. Can, can I? And uh, even when you've gone out on those limbs, you've still, on a couple of those occasions, beat all the other experts. And we have 30-some experts, like 38 sometimes. <laughs> So like uh, Ray's achievement here was is very, very formidable to, to beat uh, the top Oscarologists in this town. And these are the, the same people uh, we work with shoulder to shoulder as journalists uh, from Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, all of these places and um, uh, very impressive. Can I, can I uh, take a moment to bash Tom Cruise and James Cameron? <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, they, um, hmm. I thought it was really bad form for neither of them to show up at the Oscar ceremony. These were two guys who had been praised for helping basically save the movie going experience right. with giant hits with Avatar, uh, Top Gun, two, two amazing blockbusters, blockbuster sequels. And um, they can't be bothered to show up at the ceremony that, that honors their industry. And you know why I think they didn't? is I actually believed for a while, for maybe as much as a month, that Top Gun was gonna win. I mean, there had to be, there wasn't a strong competitor. Once everything everywhere was really gaining momentum, uh, you could make a Banshee's case for it, but uh, uh, once the Fablemans had started falling back, again, it, the argument is, what of these, what, what, what movies are left that have a rooting factor? Right. And wherever I went, Top Gun, it was a movie people saw three times. Uh, it was a movie that they were just insane about. So I, I think that um, there was so much uh, optimism early on by them that they really, they really uh, believed that they could win. And when it became clear near the end that they weren't even gonna pick up a lot of these um, uh, crafts awards, uh, I was shocked when it won. Um, sound at the Oscars? Or yeah, 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 yeah. 
But um, I voted for it for sound and all quiet one, right? What what happened there? Oh, at the Oscars, you mean? The Oscars yeah. top one, it went for sound. Okay. That was only one for sound. That's the only thing it went for. Yeah. It's um, and it didn't get nominated for cinematography, but it did get nominated for for screenplay. Makes no sense. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Cruz and I know Cruz. He was all on the on the other side of the world, uh, shooting. Yeah. Mission Impossible 8, because, you know, they don't have jets now that would take you there in a day and take you back in a day. Uh, and Cameron was obviously pissed off. They didn't get a director nomination. So he was being petulant and, you know. He's the king of the world. He, he thought that was a, a slam dunk, right? Well, they both showed it should have come. You know, I just think it shows a lack of respect for their industry. Wow. Yeah, I thought I thought Tom Cruise would have shown up to present Best Director because he's presented that category before, along with Best Picture. But obviously, this it would have been, I think, in poor taste to have him present Best Picture with Top Gun being a you know a nominee. But I thought Best Director would have been a good category for him to present if he'd shown up, or or you know Best Actor, um, you know, might have been a um, you know a, ca a category he could have, he could have, or Best Actress pro properly could have been a category he could have presented without Will Smith there. So um, yeah, so it's too bad he wasn't there. So so what, overall what do you guys think i mean it was a real snooze fest uh, a lot of people thought the oscars last year were the ratings were absolutely terrible last year they did rebound as ray mentioned earlier a bit this year but it was what only by uh two million or three million whatever well was. two years ago they were they bottomed out at like 10 million something then they went up a little bit last year and then up again a little more this year oh, okay, okay so it's on a little bit of an upswing um, oh, yeah. And I think, you know, and I think maybe part of that is that even though it's not a mainstream, even though it's still a, a relatively small indie, that a lot of people saw everything everywhere. And so it wasn't like a coda, which was totally off the map in terms of, you know, in terms of, of mainstream viewership. Yeah, um, of course, having and having Avatar and having Elvis, which was, you know, a big commercial hit, having those pictures. All of these yeah. blockbusters as part of it exactly yeah because it was 25 years ago the uh, the ceremony where titanic won that was the the most watched um broadcast in oscar history right and of course having blockbusters like titanic and even big hits like uh, goodwill hunting and as good as it gets that helped uh, that year so exactly so um i think it's they're starting to get more of those and, and uh there was an acknowledgement obviously that that they screwed up in not uh and not having eight of the categories, uh, you know, right. presented live on the broadcast. That was that was like the most dunderheaded move they could have ever made. Of course. Um, but, you know, they're they're desperate to try to keep try to hold on to the audience. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's the Oscars, as we know, as we know, used to just be essential appointment viewing for a, a majority of the country. And now they're struggling to hold on to what they got left. That was in the days when there were three TV networks, and that was in the day when days when um, you couldn't get Academy members to drive across town to see a little movie. They would go to see the blockbusters. I often wonder how did Maggie Smith win for the Prime of Miss Jean Brody uh, when when they weren't go they were only going to see um, blockbusters blockbusters, and then uh, Tarek will remember this. I ended up seeing the Prime of Miss Jean Brody when I was very young. I forgot, I was probably in high school. But um, it was on a double bill. Was it with Butch Cassidy? What was the big movie that year? 
Uh, Butch Cassidy was the it, that was that was sixty nine. Yeah. That was and those were the days when they had double feature movies in theaters, and so what it was is is uh, Miss Brody was the the movie that was tacked. If you wanted to see Butch Cassidy, you had to sit through the prime of Miss Jean Brody, oh. and that's why yep. they ended up seeing it. Mind you, this was before you were born, Tarek. Uh, <laughs> I'm almost as old as you folks, so don't, no need to uh, don't, don't, don't worry about that. But by the way, actually, Tom, also wasn't um, wasn't there something called the Z Channel back then that the Prime Minister Gene Brody was playing on? That's what I read. That 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 was available on TV and voters. Oh, I, you mean that was subscription TV? Yeah, they had something called the Z Channel on TV and Select TV. Do you remember those, Tom? Yes, very Pre much. So, no. Yeah, yeah, that was the precursors to cable. You're right, and it showed on it showed on the. Stream Brody was playing was playing there, and that's how uh, Maggie Smith won. And that was considered the biggest upset for Best Actress since uh, Loretta Young won Best Actress for The Farmer's, Farmer's Daughter in 1947, um, uh, beating out uh, Rosalind Russell for uh, Morning Becomes Electra, who apparently had gotten out of her seat when, when her category was announced because she thought she was going to win. Oh, everybody and, did. I know. I know. But you know, uh, I, I wonder if, if when Michelle, uh, 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 when, 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 when Michelle Williams heard the name Michelle read on the card, <laughs> she started getting up. Probably not. Uh, I once asked Jane Fonda, actually I've asked her twice. Uh, remember uh, when she wanted On Golden Pond made um, and her father was like, you know, oh, come on, you know, uh, who, who, who's gonna play my wife? Uh, it, it can't just, this, this can't be a, he was such a grouch and such a, you know, nasty guy that um, she really struggled hard to get her his approval all the time, even though her lifestyle was and her politics and everything else were so far distant than his. He had lots of reasons, selfish personal reasons, uh, to be disapproving of his daughter. The movie meant so much to her, though, to have a mother, uh, a, a father-daughter reconciliation movie. Hepburn, when she. Uh, Jane Fonda said, you know, who am I going to get to play um, that he'll agree to do this? So she went to Hepburn and she said, would you please agree to, if you did this, I know my father would say yes. And so uh, Hepburn said to her, uh, I will do it on one condition. And that is that you produce the movie. She said, you know, um, we women have got to take control of our destinies. Back in the days when I was considered box office poison, she said, I saw the Philadelphia story on Broadway. I bought the rights. She said, I owned the movie and I got an Oscar nomination and I was back. And she said, you've got to do, this is a special movie for you. If, mm -hmm. you. if you get this produced yourself, I will do it. And so they did. And you know, Hepburn always never attended uh, an Oscar ceremony as a nominee. Uh, and even though she still reigns as the biggest winner of all actors with four wins and all of them in the, in the lead race, no less. She claimed she didn't care about the Oscars. Um, in fact, she, she did. I own uh, her Academy, two of her Academy motion picture membership <laughs> cards <laughs> in my awards collection. And uh, I own two of her uh, nomination plaques, for, one for Suddenly Last Summer and one for The Rainmaker. And um, she, she was just, famous for just snubbing the Oscars all the time, pretending not to care when in fact, when On Golden Pond was done and Fonda told me this, I think it's on YouTube, you can watch it. She said, uh, uh, 
Jane went up to her and just said, oh, well, thank you so much, Kate, for doing this. Thank you so much. This is, you know, uh, and we won these Oscars and all this stuff is great. And Kate uh, Hepburn leaned over to Jane Fonda and said, well, you'll never catch me now. <laughs> but um, the thing, the reason I'm mentioning this is uh, a throwback to what we were talking about a minute ago is uh, I've had two really long in-depth video interviews with with Fonda. And I said, well, let me quote your old friend, Catherine Hepburn, who once told Audrey Hepburn that um, you always win the Oscar for a movie that quote unquote, doesn't rate it, uh, which is absurd because Audrey Hepburn won for her film debut, right? <laughs> so, and, this, and it was Hepburn who was, um, uh, the other Hepburn who was telling her that, uh, give up on it. So, <clears throat> I, I think there's just uh, just great justice late in Hepburn's career that she won for what I think is the greatest movie ever made, The Lion in Winter. And I noticed if you go to the IMDb's uh, uh, trivia page, look down there and it says, Aaron Sorkin says that the, the greatest movie ever made is The Lion in Winter. So I'm in good company, Aaron, if you're watching this. Nice. Oh, oh, Tom, oh, I don't care about my awards, Tom. You take them. I don't want them. Oh, but here was, I, I forgot the whole point of my, of my Jane Fonda story. Here it is. Sorry. So I'm debating with her. I said, all right, so uh, Hepburn said that you always win for a movie that doesn't rate it. Is that true in your case, Jane? Did you win your Oscars you know, for Coming Home and for Clute? Were those the ones you deserved to win? And she looked at me and she said, well, if not those two, then which one should I have one for? And I said, I would personally say they shoot horses, don't they? And she came roaring at me and she said, what? And, and beating Maggie Smith in the prime of Miss Jean Brody? She said, I would have had to commit suicide. <laughs> I'd be so ashamed of myself. Yes. Wow. Oh, right. By the way, um, <laughs> He won for on Golden Pond. Who was the favorite to win that year? Was it Meryl Streep in French Lieutenant's Woman or was it Diane Keaton in Reds, who was the favorite to win Best Actress 1981? Because Hepburn was kind of surprised from what I understand. I watched I thought I it was Diane Keaton. Was she the favorite for Reds? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Reds yeah, was the favorite. Hepburn was, was, um, was shocked. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because you, you know who presented that year? Remember who opened the envelope that year for Best Actress? No, it was John Voigt who presented it. And oh, yeah, it was it was it was really a great moment, you know. But it's too bad because you know she wasn't there, and of course Henry Fonda was ill; he wasn't there. Um, well, that and the was the great moment of the night: the fact that he was so invalid and he was home. And right. Jane held up that Oscar, and she said, "Dad, the kids and I'll be right over." And it was the reconciliation. She said, "There's a lot that I could say tonight, but it's not the right time to say it." She said she held up her father's Oscar and they don't technically allow you to accept for right, someone right. else. You know, they made an ex uh, exception for Heath Ledger and letting his family do it, et cetera. But um, when Jane went up there and just held it up, it was a wonderful, that's, that's why we care about the Oscars is that it gives us these little peeks into this inner family of Hollywood. And uh, uh, Jane handled it just beautifully, you know. Go ahead, go ahead, Ray. I was just going to say, I'm impressed that you remember presenters from from 30 years ago, not just not just who won. That's that's very impressive, Tarek. I'm I'm just I'm in. Tarek awe. is one of those people you could say 
1984, Best Supporting Actor. Oh my God. And he'll list them all off there. It's unbelievable. He remembers uh, presenters. Uh, right, yes. Um, well, for his Best Supporting Actor in 1984, it was Dr. Heine S. Noor for The Killing Fields. He won. <laughs> See? He was he was he was I think mean, he was favored to win that year, wasn't he? He wasn't favored to win. He was so he was so oh, for uh, the killing fields. Yeah. yeah. For the yeah. Right, yeah. Yes. And of course, then he died he, in 19 in the 1990s, he died like in a random shooting in Los Angeles, right? What a what a tragic story. Yeah. So yes. Oh, by the way, speaking of, you know about the about the you know the Hollywood, um, you know, the um the, the parents would not Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, when she won this year, that was a great moment when she looked up, you know, and she said, you know, mom and dad, I won an Oscar. So that that moment I think will be remembered for many, many years to come. That really was just just it's lovely. You know, yeah. and, and I'm I'm sick of the whole nepo baby thing, you know. Oh, it's nepotism. Oh, you know, you got your role only because of your fame. You know, it's like everybody uses what they can to 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 get ahead to make it in the industry. And I don't I don't begrudge anyone uh, right. for for whatever they get and however they get in through the door because it's still not a guarantee. It's an entree, but it's not a guarantee. You could suck if you were if she, Jamie Lee Curtis was a horrible actress. Wouldn't matter who her parents were. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> She wouldn't have she wouldn't have done anything she wouldn't have had a yeah. career right and of course Ray, you know how i got where i am because when i met tom o'neill 25 years ago i had to go up to him and say oh my God, i'm your biggest fan i mean we're talking you know kathy bates in misery you know i'm your number one fan and right. that's what did it right. that's why i'm here today because i'm tom o'neill's biggest fan so he he's he that's why he's the kingmaker man <laughs> But right, you exactly. realize what a joke the Oscars can be uh, if you take a more cynical view. You know, here every year or every couple of years, the, the American uh, Film Institute does that survey and uh, the, what's the greatest movie ever made and Citizen Kane always wins. And then you realize <clears throat> it lost Best Picture to a movie that of when in the days of VHS tapes, uh, of all the movies that were available on VHS tape for one best picture at the Oscars, Citizen Kane lost to the movie that was had the, the lowest purchases of VHS tapes ever because nobody wanted it. How King and uh, um, How Green Was My Valley. And uh, there's just something criminal about the fact that two of the greatest actors in Hollywood history, Peter O'Toole and uh, William uh, and uh, Richard Burton, both at the time they died, were the biggest losers in Oscar history, leaving behind them in this world, Oscars in the hands of Goldie Hawn, Red Buttons, and all right. <laughs> it's just outrageous. Yes. Well, you know, I think but, the, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, you know, this is surprising, you know, Brendan Fraser, he was in uh, 1988's Gods and Monsters, which was not a for Best Picture, but it was nominated for Best Actor for Ian McKellen. And, and Best won screenplay, right? It won for Adapted Screenplay for Bill Condon. But isn't it funny, among the Gods and Monsters alumni, you know, Lynn Redgrave, who's passed away, you know, was over two at the Oscars. Ian McKellen, over two at the Oscars, but Brendan Fraser now one for one of the Oscars. <laughs> winning the Oscar before Ian McKellen, who would have thought, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's- God, you ain't that the truth. Especially when Ian was the front runner for one of those Lord of the Rings movies that year. Right, exactly right. In fact, didn't Jim Broadbent come up to you at an event that year, Tom? And didn't Jim Broadbent say to you, is it true that this year, um, I'm gonna this year's Marsha Gerhard? And that's what you were saying, and Jim Broadbent knew that you said that and he asked you about it. Isn't that a true story? Yes, yes. And Marsha Gerharden um said to me about two years ago, uh, we were both in the green room at KTLA, the independent TV station here. And she comes up to me and she says, um, 
Well, you know, I I hold a, re a record that uh, is, uh, you know, uh, a highly uh, regarded record. She said, I'm the only one who has ever won uh, Best Actress at the Oscars uh, without even a SAG nomination. And I said, uh, Marsha, that's not true anymore. Christoph Waltz uh, had, had has already tied you with that. Oh, she was so upset. She was like, I thought that was record was mine. Oh my God, oh my God. But it's funny, you know, when Tarek and I, who have these encyclopedic minds about these things, and we, we uh, tell these, these things to, uh, to the stars, it's, uh, on one hand, it's amazing they don't know these things. Right. <clears throat> on, on the other hand, um, Right, yeah. I remember back in 1989 when I brought up to Jamie Lee Curtis the fact that she had gotten a SAG nomination for True Lies. She said to me, she goes, what, are you reading up on me? And I was like, no, I'm just a big fan. And she was, she was <laughs> glad. I forgot she got the SAG nomination for True Lies. You know, so obviously, yeah, they, they, they forget. I remember actually one year, Tom, you were doing a, you were doing a, a Q and a with uh, Joan Rivers and we were talking about her Emmy win and she got the wrong year and I corrected her. I said, no, it was 1990. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, you won, don't worry, trust me. I, it, it was 1990. So yeah, they often forget, right? They, they don't know this stuff like we do. No, they don't. Matter of fact, you, what, I remember Tyne Daly uh, at the uh, she'd won five Emmys, right? And um, uh, boy, I was emceeing the press room at the Emmys that year. Um, and so, I, as the stars would come off the stage winning their Emmy, um, I would introduce them to everyone in the room, and I would say that this is her such and such win. She won for this particular episode that had a, a particularly strong scene, whatever, and. Time Daily grabbed that mic for me and she said, what are you talking about episodes and the rest of it? Who are you? <laughs> you don't know anything. I won for the whole season. And of course, everybody in the press room, our buddies all know me. They were laughing their asses off that she was making, I'm sorry, a fool of herself by taking me on. And I said, no, you didn't win for the whole season. You submit one episode. I said, don't you know that? You've won this four times before. So each time you won based on the strength of your episode. That's just not true. Where do you get this? And the, the press room was just holding their sides, laughing that she had the guts to take me on. And I said, I'm just going to step away completely here and let you finish and uh, we'll move on to that. Well, I'm, and I'm shocked because Tyne Daly always comes across as so modest and ladylike. My God. <laughs> I know, I know. So what, what are your favorite movies? Is, is Lion and Winter your favorite movie of all time, Tom? Yeah, I, I, I always uh, um, uh, throw a caveat in there, uh, claiming a tie between The Wizard of Oz and Lion oh. and and, and Tarek, how about you? I'll take a guess. Can you, uh, can, you, <laughs> can you see me right now? Can you see? Can you see behind me? Oh, Rebecca. Rebecca, yes, 1940 Best Picture, um, uh, classic, just an absolute masterpiece. So that's that's my number one best uh, director, but he won Best Picture. Yeah. Oh, well, mine is. I think mine is. Dude, where's my car? So um, <laughs> that's a good choice. That makes sense. Uh, Actually, you know what? My favorite movie of all time is The Right Stuff. Oh, really? Which is not usually the one you hear from anyone. Um, I, I've seen it 10 times and I, I get more out of it every time I see it. It's a hugely underappreciated film. Huh. Hey, quick question. Why is it that Sam Shepard got the Oscar nomination for that film and not, let's say, 
um, uh, Scott Glenn or Ed Harris. I'm all surprised by that because I mean he was good, but I thought those two were the standouts. I, I agree. Scott Glenn and Ed Harris both should have gotten nominations. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was weird. It kind of got screwed. Um, it was the early know, because, front runner forever, and, and, and I think part of it was because John Glenn was in a was in the presidential race, and it became a political thing. Hot oh. potato. Remember John Glenn ran for president? I think that was when he ran in '80. Okay, I was, gotcha. I was born and raised in Ohio, so I remember that vividly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but Best Supporting Actor, 1983. Um, so um, Sam Shepard did not win for the right stuff. Who won Best Supporting Actor, 1983? Can either of you name that? God, no. It was uh, Chet Nicholson for Terms of Endearment, his second oh. Oscar. Oh. Uh, so. Did you look it up, or did you you just knew that? Uh, oh no, I know, I know this. I've I've, I've been studying this for long. All this stuff in and out. And not, huh. and not just the Oscars. He can do this with BAFTA, SAG, wow. all of these things, really. Yeah. He's very no. sick. I mean, you know, he needs uh, serious. So is this, like, uh, is this like a Rain Man kind of thing? Maybe. Hey, Tom, Tom remember the, the time? It was back in 2010. We were at the premiere party for The Kids Were All Right. And we oh, were discussing- Oh, I hate it. Oh, God. Julianne Moore, there are Oscar chances. And I was thinking, you know, which one's going to win? Should one go lead, one go supporting? The next thing I know, people are waking me up. I was on the floor. Like, I had an, I had an Oscar panic attack. And I'm on the floor, and there's a doctor there. Uh, Rachel Dratch, her, her friend was, was a doctor. He, he was there. And he starts asking me questions. You know, um, you know, what year is it? Count from 1 to 10. And I said, no, no, ask me an Oscar question. And he says, you know, best picture. And I said, Alfie, a man for all seasons. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Uh, the Sand Pebbles. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? You know, the winner, the winner was a man for <laughs> Yes, I remember that. Otherwise, if I could have named those, I would have known that something was seriously wrong. So, did you really? Did, did you really say that? Yes, that's the truth. Tommy, you were there. Remember that? Remember that? Was I that remember. Crazy... Uh, that's fantastic. And, and yeah. what's her name? Uh, the party thrower. Um, Peg Siegel. Wasn't it Peg, Peg Siegel? Siegel? Right. And that was one of her parties. And when you passed out, and the whole room was hovering <laughs> over you, and like, did this guy just die in front of us or not? <laughs> And so Peggy's the hostess of this whole thing, and she's pushing her away, pushing everybody inside. And remember, uh, I think you heard it too. I heard, I heard her say, "She goes, oh, it's not an A-lister. It's okay." Was <laughs> <laughs> is it someone A-list or B-list? It was like neither. I'm like, what? I'm, <laughs> I'm chopped liver. Come on, I'm, I'm more than. Oh that. my god, that's just hilarious. That in order to see if you're still. If you're and still lucid and with it, you had to be asked an Oscar question. And what, what Peggy Siegel said was, she goes, you know, this, you know, you know, the kids are all right. Well, the guests are not all right. So, <laughs> well, so she had some sympathy for you. That's fantastic. Oh, oh my God. Yes. I want to take you to my next party, Tara. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I want you to pass out and I want, I want to restage this whole thing. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap up here. Do you have? Do you guys have any final uh, thoughts of wisdom for us? Um, go ahead, Ray. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Uh, I'm still in postpartum when the Oscars end. It's just so hard for me. <laughs> I just, it's 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 tough, and I'm just looking for the next year already. So, when does the prediction center open, Tom? Please, because I'm ready to get started again. Well, we the we had the Emmys prediction center up and open before the Oscars even. It's up there now with thousands. I think like twenty five hundred voters. It's hysterical that uh, we have the guts to go six months out uh, ahead of these awards when you don't even know if um, 
a certain show is going to go limited series or drama series, or you don't know if someone's going to go lead or supporting. And uh, very often, I think um, people don't realize the impact that Gold Derby has on these awards. Um, let, you know, just what was it two years ago, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? The only thing that made, you know, Brad Pitt was not going to go down to supporting. He just refused. And um, the, uh, the, the people who were working on that film's campaign just forced him to look at Gold Derby. And uh, Brad's, and he was told by the consultant, uh, at these, we have six sets of predictions at Gold Derby, and all six said the same thing, that he would get nominated against Leo, that there was no way he could beat Leo. And if he agreed to drop the supporting, there was no way he could lose. And so he actually said with the minute somebody said that to him, he said, all right, let's, I'm going supporting. Now that was not the case with Viola Davis when she was up for Fences because she had won best lead actress at the Tony Awards. So here are her uh, uh, Oscar consultants were saying, you've got to drop down to supporting. You're not going to win. Uh, you uh, in lead, you're going to have. She goes, I don't do supporting. <laughs> so they took her to Gold Derby, <laughs> and they said, you know, look, um, we very seldom allow a star to appear twice in the prediction center. If you declare for a category, we put you there uh, and keep you there. But in the cases of a Viola Davis or a Brad Pitt or George Clooney, this was a case of where with Syriana. Uh, he was not going to budge. He was going lead, damn it, and that was that. And uh, I was on the phone with him and uh, uh, some other people who you know. And finally, I just said, um, you're not going to win for Syriana and lead. You're, nobody is getting a Ron Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote. It's not going to happen. So you can, you can be as badass as you want about this, but um, the consultant who's on the line with us, I had said, uh, the last word, George, this is it. You might win. There's a remote chance you could beat Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't believe there's really seriously any chance, but there's no way you could lose for Syriana. And uh, the consultant at the other end, I could tell you when we're off the air, screamed, uh, all right, George, you got to make a decision now. And uh, because Sasha Stone was on with me and she was from Awards Daily as well. And she was saying that George should stay, stick with it and stay with the uh, lead. <laughs> so this went on for hours, hours, back and forth, both, uh, both of us giving our arguments and him going back and forth. And finally it was 1130 and I'll, I'll, it was Cynthia Swartz, the consultant. And she said, all right, George, this is it. It's 1130 at night and I'm going to bed, God damn it. <laughs> Final, final decision, leader supporting. And he's like, oh, 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 oh I guess supporting. <laughs> so when I, when I, I'd not, I'd never met him before that. So about three weeks later, we were both at some event that was not Oscar related and, uh, or no, it was months later. And he had come up to me and he said, uh, boy, thank you for that advice. Uh, that was so great. And I said, but you are such a son of a bitch, George. You never thanked me in your speech. <laughs> But uh, there are lots of cases like this where we have made strong impact um, on who wins. Yeah, no question. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to regular um, Oscarholics meetings now. You know, I'm, I'm Ray and I'm an Oscarholic. So I'm trying to come down now. Um, I'm doing 12-step programs to try to get past 
uh, my Oscar addiction at the moment, and uh, I think by next week I should be I should be okay. Okay, well we're rooting for your recovery, your full recovery. All right, thanks, well, Tom. Thank, thanks, you guys. This is fun. If nothing else, it was a um, a year where many different things could have happened. They didn't. This uh, front runner stayed there. But uh, all night long, I was waiting for these left turns that didn't happen. But um, at least Ray ended up on top. Yes. And hey, there's a right? So. Where I should be. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm enjoying it because it ain't, may never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is the, uh, the, the best attitude to have as Tarek and I can tell you. All right. A final salute okay. to you, Ray. Thanks, Tarek. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com. Follow us on social media at Gold Derby.